Good evening, Derek. Welcome back to Lake Wales. You've been the uh, road warrior for a while. We had a lot of stuff popping off. You had camp. You had Dade City. We had Red Bud, which I could never go to that race because I just couldn't understand. I couldn't sit there. It's like going to a race game and hearing cowbells the whole time. But, I mean, it is America's race, and we had a first-time motocross winner. We are doing episode 17 of the Beyond the Curb, the MX podcast. We've already got on the line our special guest because tonight we're trying something new. We're doing a interview off a telephone. So if we're not good at this, guess what? We'll get it better later. But Derek, thank you for making the effort. CJ Harris is on the line. Uh, he's the owner of Pax Track. He hosted the camp last week, the, uh, the MX camp. And honestly, as a kid, I went to Lazy W Ranch. We rode horses. We made pottery. We weaved. We swam in a hole. And then you, you know, kids motocross. They get to go to motocross camp now. So we're going to hear all about that. We're going to talk about Red Bud. First thing we're going to do is talk to CJ. Derek, you're going to lead that because I've never met CJ. I'm talking to him tonight on a phone call. All right, CJ Harris, everybody. We um we met over the over the week here. Uh, wonderful guy. Um, Pax is an amazing facility. I've never been there before up until this week. Um, CJ, tell us all about PAX. Well, first of all, guys, I am stoked and honored to be on the podcast with you guys, and thanks for uh, inviting me. Yeah, uh, so PAX was started, well, the ground was purchased in 1995 and originally uh, started as a dirt bike track in 1997 by Robert Paxia, uh, who built it just really from a, you know, a track out in the field to kind of what it is today. We... We purchased it um, about two years ago, and uh, we've been September two years. September will be two years, and been running it ever since. We have some big goals and some big dreams, so we've been trying to modify and make improvements as we go. And uh, yeah, that's where we're at now. We have a three-track facility with a full pro shop, full service center, and a full cafe on on site. And we like to uh, pride ourselves about going above and beyond and doing things a little bit different than most uh, motocross tracks do. You, you guys are also a Cobra dealer, correct? We are. We are a uh, factory elite Cobra dealer, whatever like the top level is. Um, so, yeah, we have a ton of Cobra parts in stock. And when the bikes come off back order, we typically, uh, those are sold pre-sold. But if we ever get to a place in the motorcycle industry where we have bikes in inventory, we'll have a bunch of those in inventory again, too, as well. So, CJ, my name's Trey. I'm an old, I'm an old time. I didn't even start riding until I was 31. And... I look at pictures of your track on Facebook and other other social media and honestly the dirt the dirt is just I live in I live on the sand ridge here in Polk County and I have white sugar sand and you know we get a clay sand mix and I tell you the dirt up there in those pictures is glorious is that there or do you have to ship that in is that on site Um so the answer to your question is it's there but it is not natural dirt. We've uh, the previous owner kind of created a formula, and uh, he stumbled across something, and he brings stuff in to mix into the the dirt, um, which is wood chips, and just a lot of wood chips. And over time, the wood chips break down and be you know put the minerals back in the dirt, and makes what we call that rich chocolate cake. So um, it is it is just starts out as sugar sand with a ton of wood chips, and once you ride on the wood chips, they start breaking down and they become that. That black gold or that chocolate cake you see is we have today. Yeah, it's a gorgeous looking facility. I, I haven't had the opportunity being an off-road guy to get up there much, but um, it is 
it's one of those places that's on the bucket list for uh, an old vet rider to go up because explain the three different tracks that you do have. Yeah, so we have what we call our main track, which is, uh, you know, we, we label it as the main track. Some people call it the pro track. Some people call it the big track. Um, it's a about a minute, 30, minute, 35 lap time for an average rider. Uh, and it boasts a bunch of big, tall bull berms. I mean, we're talking like 15 foot tall. It's got a mixture of doubles, uh, tabletop, single, easy jumps, technical jumps, everything from about a hundred foot um, long tabletop to a um, you know 90 foot step up, which is a little more technical. It's just really flowy and fun. And majority of the jumps are safe for everybody, all skill levels. Even if you're not prepared to jump all the way, you can still kind of go, you know, 30%, 50% or even on some of them, you can go 70, 80% and still ride out safe. Sweet. Then we have what we, ha- we call our backtrack. Um, our backtrack is a very similar to the main track, just kind of tamed down. Uh, still boasting some of the big bull berms. It's probably roughly about a minute and a half, minute, 15 seconds for a faster rider. Uh, and we encourage all rider abilities, whether you're a pro, you're slow, um, to go out there and uh, enjoy that one. And then always, obviously, we have our peewee slash our pit bike track up front, um, which is a really unique, cool uh, track that allows pit bikers to get on, have fun, and we we change it up a lot. As um, Derek will tell you, we kind of went out there overnight in, in yeah. uh, our camp and threw a new roller section in to give the kids something else to play on. Well, that's where we have to send Derek now. He's not allowed on big bike track so we have to send him he's, uh, he's relegated to the, to the uh, pit bike track so but that's awesome the facility what kind of schedule do you all operate on so in the summertime we go with a thursday practice um which is going to be from two to eight and then our saturday which we call our six shred saturday that's an open practice nine to three and then our send it sunday which is our open practice 10 a.m to 4 p.m and then on Sundays, we do a split practice. So it's the only day that we allow 50s and 65s and 85 beginners to get on our main track. Um, so the last 15 minutes of every hour is tykes on bikes time. So it's 50, 65, 85 intermediate and beginners. We flag all the big bikes off. We let those little shred heads go out there and have a time of their life on the big track. Uh, and then every Wednesday, we do a motocross school, and it is from – five to eight right now and that is from a beginner rider to a pro rider it doesn't matter if you're on a 50 or a 450 or a 500 or if you want to bring a you know a 690 super duke out we'll teach you how to ride that <laughs> thing too awesome now we I, I i had the opportunity to ride all three tracks um i rode the pit bike track the peewee track the last day on my pit bike that was a blast um i kevin and i kevin mead he was on our podcast before um he camped out with us over the week and we him and i went out on the big track as beat as we were i will say that that track is still very very durable for somebody you know that's very beginner um i we were just so worn out that if we didn't want to hit everything we didn't have to um it like he said it's very accommodating to everybody it is a beautiful track though i i absolutely loved it towards the end i i hit just about everything out there and it, it was very smooth um the intermediate track bowen loved every single track out there even on a pw50 um he took his ktm mini out he took his pw50 out on every track he loved 
every single track there so that, that it gives a wide wide variety for all the riders um like i said it's a i love i love your facility i absolutely love that place i wish it was closer um but we will definitely be making the trip more and more um as for the camp so we we had cj can you can jump in on this at any point in time we had a three-day three-day camp we went up what monday night till thursday um who who'd we have jordan jarvis dawson Riker, uh rylan munson phil and ashley harris and then yourself uh, ben robinson as well and ben's your yep. your wednesday coach correct yep so typically it's uh myself and ben doing the coaching on wednesday uh, unfortunately i'm kind of hurt right now and i'm not much of a help so uh we brought jordan in to be our our second um coach throughout the week so right now it's ben robinson and jordan jarvis are our wednesday night coaches uh, but, yeah, I think you got everybody for our camp. There, there was a total of eight coaches there. Yeah. That's awesome. And and these for these kids, you know, it's not necessarily the name. It's they see these riders ride and their skill set. They're like, oh, the, the name on the back of the jersey is not super important. It's, man, they rip. And so they're going to listen. Yeah, Thursday Thursday morning, they uh, CJ had them do a, a, a – what was it, the coach ride – coach ride or something like that and yeah they, so they the all... last go ahead sorry Derek so the last day of the camp I think it's very important that we all we all do a coach ride day um and unfortunately this year it, it was very shortened because obviously myself I was hurt I couldn't ride Ryland Munson got uh heat exhaustion the week before um so he was still recovering and then Dawson Riker is coming off a knee injury so there was three of us that weren't able to ride and then Jordan Jarvis had to leave Wednesday night to head up to Redbud to race a national. So they only got to ride with um, STC uh, Moto X compound up there, and uh, Bonifay was the other coach. Yeah, I did, um, I did forget him. That's right. I won't forget my man Mike. So, yeah, <laughs> they did get to ride with Mike, and they got to ride with uh, Robinson, Ashley, and, um, and Phil. But I, th- I think it's really important and builds a lot of value, like you just said, not only the relationship with the students, whether you – you know, we had – a 50-something-year-old guy out there. We had a bunch of dads. Um, we had four-year-old kids. So it built that relationship with the students. But also, you know, just kind of re-encourages, hey, we, we do know what we're talking about. We do practice what we preach. Um, and then the memory alone itself, you know, whether maybe you're um, a Lauren Gaskin, who's one of our little girls that were at camp, and she really looks up to Jordan Jarvis. Just going down the straightaway, you know, next to Jordan Jarvis is huge and puts a smile on their face. So, when we do the riders coach, we typically do about three or four warm-up laps, and we kind of go out and show our speed and be like, "Hey, you know, we do know how to ride." But then when we bring the kids out or the groups out with us, the the goal and the focus is to really just touch each and every person as you go around the track, and not physically touch them, but pull up next to them and give them a little bike grab or a thumbs up or you know like a gnarly signal and and just create that contact with them as you're going around the track and create that memory. That way they leave there and going, holy cow, you know, I rode next to Ben Robinson. Now I'm watching him on Southwick rip up the national or, you know, so that's the reason why we do it. And I think it's important that all of our coaches that coach ride dirt bikes. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, I loved that aspect of it. And even when Kevin and I were out on the 110s with the kids, or can you come ride with us? Can you come ride with us? Will you follow me? <laughs> you know, it's, it was such a fun experience. Um, and I, I I thoroughly appreciate you got you letting us go out there on the one tens because those kids loved it so much. Um, 
We, we had such I, a well, time. I think the two big kids loved it more. <laughs> yeah. You guys oh, we had smiles across your face all day. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I can tell you just based off pictures, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I saw I saw that. Um, I got a question for you. So you, you've got the camp. You've got the ride days. You've got your class on Wednesday. You've got, the, you've got this full-on, like, racer's mecca here in Florida. How did how and why did you get involved in this because for those of us that are in business we know like this isn't a quick payoff what made you want to do this yeah well it, it's a long story i'll try to make it short so i don't take up too much time on your podcast hey, but, you're, uh, you're all right you take as much time as you need yeah, the floor's all yours tonight yeah you know growing up as a passionate motocross guy like you always want to be involved in the sport at one way or another um, and I actually drifted away. I, I became a pro uh, sport bike freestyle rider for about 10 years and didn't even touch a dirt bike. So I got back into motocross in like 2011, we'll say, and didn't wasn't on a bike for 10 years up until that point. It started going around to the tracks. I owned a motorcycle shop in Daytona at that point in time. I'm going to these tracks, riding, just having fun. I'm like, man, you know, there, I see a lot of um, a lot of room for improvement on a few things. There wasn't a lot of parts companies back then. Uh, there was a race. There was a few race series, the Florida Georgia race series, um, that was going on, and the Florida series. And there was some stuff like I was like, man, I think this could be a little better. But one thing led to another, and I got involved with the Florida Georgia series and ended up taking over that and owning it. Um, I ended up selling my motorcycle shop in Daytona and starting a full-blown parts company, which called the Motostock Trackside. And we would travel around to all the the races in Florida and you know sell parts and and that led into um, the track becoming available and us purchasing it. So that's kind of a long story wrapped up real fast to how we got involved into the own impacts and run impacts. And then once we had the track, it's a lot of work to still run a series. So we've kind of backed off running the Florida, Georgia. And I think it benefits all the riders just to eliminate one of the series in the state. You know, you guys probably know, Derek, I think you guys went straight from the camp to Dade city. Yep. <laughs> Every weekend, there's four or five different race series that you could you could hit up, which is awesome. But it also takes from the riders because if you have, you know, two or three hundred at each one of those, you don't have stacked gates at, at the track. So, yeah, it was uh, even this week, and I mean, you know how much work these kids put in all week long. Um, oh yeah, like our, Bowen, he he showed so much progression at that camp. But come Saturday, that boy could not ride to save his life, and he was just so beat down and it, it it is hard it's hard on the kids but um yeah there was how many other races we could have went to this weekend um but you know we're we're in a championship at dade city and we figured we'd we'd hit that one but um like you said it, we got the florida series we could hit we got i4mx we can hit we got there is there are so many series right now that the options are you know of abundance well cj i have a question on that actually because i'm i'm actually I'm very much on the outside looking. I, I race off-road. I race enduro. So I follow my, my nephew or my cousin used to race uh, amateur motocross all over Florida. Back in the day, you raced Gold Cup and you raced Winter Ams. And there was the Florida Georgia Series. And you were trying to qualify for Loretta's. And you went to Dade City. And there weren't a lot of tracks that actually had the kind of the weekly series or bi-weekly series that Dade City has. But last weekend, I had the opportunity to go down to – um, one of the rounds of the I4MX series and went to, uh, oh shoot, Lazy, Lazy Springs Spring. Recreational Park for one of their rounds of the I4 series. But on that same weekend, there was also a round of the Florida series. And it's like, 
man, I'm kind of with you. Is there not the potential to work together? I understand Dade City, like, you're always going to have your riders. But why do these series have to compete with one another? Because I think there's, there is a lot of riding going on. They had, they had a nice crowd. Like you said, they had a decent crowd at the I-4 race. Um, but why does it have to compete? Or is that just kind of the market's going to bear what the market's going to bear at this point? I think there's a little bit of all of the above, man. Honestly, like without going into too much details, getting myself in trouble or pissing off a lot of other people, um, I, I think it's a little bit of everything. You know, egos get involved. Um, people think that they can do it better. And then it comes down to financial. You know, when you do joint races or whatever, the money's not as great as an individual race. Uh, and these promoters want all the money to themselves, you know, like as harsh as that sounds, it, it's what it is. It's the old story of a Walgreens open up across the CVS because they think they could do it better or vice versa. Right. For sure. You know, for sure. And I got a question for you on that side. Is it I, you do a lot of practice times? Is that kind of the route that tracks are taking versus like Dade City's been around since Golly, since I was a kid, watch. I mean, before I ever started writing, I used to go watch at Dade City. And yep. it's astonishingly, with all the tracks that get closed down, property rights, all such, Dade City is operating in the middle of a town. And it is astonishing to me that, that they're still going, but they have such the following that they're kind of the local race series. And. If you think about BMX, they kind of do the same thing. These tracks have their local races, but then they have a state series, and then they have a national series. And I'm just kind of curious, is is the practice route the way? I know you guys are kind of that way, but is that the route that, that you're seeing is most economically viable for these Florida tracks at this point? Um, No, I think to, to be, you know, a well-balanced track, you got to have practices and races. Okay. Um you know, races can be a huge asset to your business. It can make you a lot of money. But on the flip side of that, a bad race where you get rained out on a Saturday and then rain comes in Saturday night and you have a mud fest Sunday and nobody shows up, it can cost you a lot of money real fast as well. So, like, a, a race is a gamble to make money is what it is. Mm -hmm. If you have a great race, you make great money. Practices, you typically, if you have a great practice, you make decent money. But there's not a lot of stress involved. Like, you know, on a practice weekend, we open the gates on Saturday at 8 o'clock. At 3 o'clock, everybody's off our track. Me and my guys go out there. Typically by 7, 8 o'clock at night, we're done grooming the track. We go home, and then we don't open the gates on Sunday till 9 o'clock the next day. A race weekend, you're opening the gates at 7. They stay open till 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night. Um, the track has to have a lot more work, a lot more prep. You know, Sunday morning at 6 o'clock at the gate, uh, you have, you know, typical practice weekend. I got two or three employees there. Race weekend, we probably have 20 to 30 employees. So, like, the stress level goes up. And, again, it's risk versus reward. So, if you have a great race, fantastic. You make good money. But one little thing on a race weekend, and it could throw that um, – that program off yeah for sure so for sure. so how about like the camp aspect of it because i know like i know the work that you guys put into that and i know you know being there even the work that that i did you know kind of being like an assistant coach there with the 50s um 
I can't imagine you guys a stress stress level on you know the food the the planning the all the RV sites and you know you got the idiots that pull in the wrong way and you know are we gonna talk, are we gonna talk about them guys right now or no no was that you <laughs> Kevin <laughs> we asked we asked but um no on a, on a serious note like how stressful is it on the business side of it like for the camp and to host something of that nature because for us it's it's a really fun event i mean it was it was exhausting and that's why i can't imagine like the exhaustion that was on you guys and all the coaches and you know the money that goes out versus the money that comes in because you know we talk a lot of motocross business on this podcast and it's just a curiosity you know so the camp falls right into the race event um where if it goes good you can make great money but again it could go sour and you could probably tell Derek, I don't do anything half-ass in yeah. my life. So like, um, you know, I probably could have made a ton of money this weekend, but I, I went above and beyond on everything. And I spent a lot of money. Now I made money. I'm not mad by any means. Um, however, like, you know, the, I went a little too far on some stuff, but that's okay. Um, we'll learn and grow the stress. So my previous, uh, job, I, I did event planning and stuff for a big corporation. So, like that's what I'm accustomed to. So I don't really get stressed out, but the planning, it does take a while. I've worked months and months in advance. Like we had probably 15 people that left the summer camp. were like, Hey, when's the winter camp? And I'm like, you guys don't realize like this was four months of planning. Just, yeah. you know, to order the shirts, make sure the shirts get there on time. Um, and no matter how much you try to plan ahead, uh, I'll give you an example. You know, the water bottles that you got with the pack's name on them. Yeah. Those were ordered three months ago. They got to us uh, probably a month ago. And I, you know, part on me, I didn't open the box and say, oh, this is perfect. They came in, there was 200 water bottles. I said, okay, they're perfect. Well, when we opened them up two weeks prior to the camp, there were 200 green water bottles. I'm oh. sure that's not going to make people on the Yamahas and Suzuki's happy. Yeah. So like stress, you know, getting on the phone, trying to get 150 water bottles sent back to you overnight. Um, like the little stuff like that, the plan and the food, you guys seen, you know, the food as the camp grows, we fed over a hundred people for breakfast and lunch every day throughout the camp, which we weren't anticipating that, you know, so we have to adjust and, and just make it work, but we got through it. Yeah. And it, like I said, it was great, but that to me, that, that going above and beyond, it might come out of your pocket some, but I can't, I can't see anybody, you know, you can't please everybody, but I would say 97, 98% of the people there, you know, they, they would come back in a heartbeat because it's it, putting that little bit of extra effort in. Like I said, it might cost you a little bit, but that keeps everybody happy. And there's not many camps that you can go to that will give out, you know, all that, all the swag, you know, the food. And, you know, I want to give you like a hats off for like the liquid IV. That alone, because like we live off that stuff. I know what it costs. And for you to just sit there and hand that out to everybody was absolutely astonishing to me. Um, like it's, it's the little stuff like that, that, that would drag me back there that like, I appreciate it. Cause I know, you know, Trey and I both own a business, so we know what it's like. Um, and a lot of the people that are, you know, the grumpy people, the, the dissatisfied people are people that don't understand, uh, the business side of anything. Um, yep. but you know, we do. And like Kevin himself, he owns a business as well. So we were all extremely happy of what you put on and we could see the extra mile that you went for everybody there. 
And, you know, I will be back time and time again, without a doubt. It's just, like I said, those little things to me are a game changer. Yeah, sweet. I appreciate that. Yeah, and, and those little things are important to me too. You know, like, honestly, Ashley Harris bringing her in, you know, she was a, a coach. She rides very well for a, a female or woman, but she's not a riding coach. I, I only brought her there um, for nutrition and training because yeah. I'm way out of shape now, but when I'm racing, like, I think people don't put enough emphasis on the nutrition, the hydration, and the fitness of their program so I wanted to show how important that was. So where I just paid a, a nutrition and fitness coach to be there, you know, she went above and beyond as well doing other stuff, but I agree. Yeah. She's awesome. I and mean, she actually, her and I talked there at the end of the camp and she's like, I, I really want to be on your podcast. If you guys would ever have a nutritionist, I'm like any day of the week, because <laughs> yeah. that's, that's key to this sport. I, like you just said, to emphasize it, like nobody understands how important nutrition or hydration is in this sport. And yep. that's literally everything. There's nothing yeah. worse than bonking. I will tell yeah. you straight up, I've done it, and, and it's it's a terrible feeling. Like, for us, at a, our kid's five years old. And, you know, we try to remember that he's five years old and he's he's a full-blown motocross racer. But we we try to feed that kid and hydrate him constantly. And everybody's like, why are you pushing that stuff so hard? You know, the friends will come and watch. And we're like, because the kid will literally crash. It's yep. It doesn't matter what age you are. Yep. They have no idea what it takes to be out there on the track, especially in that heat. Like, last week was brutal, and even Saturday at the race was just insane. But you have to keep that in there, and that's why I w we will have Ashley on here because I, I think the work that she did was phenomenal as well. So I got a couple awesome. I got a couple questions. I don't know how much time you have. I don't want to hold you up, but um, one. Trey, I'm driving back from Texas, so I got approximately 12 more hours. We can go <laughs> as long as you want. <laughs> so, so you've made it out of Texas, then. If you only have 12 more hours, you've made it out of Texas. Yeah, we're out of Texas. Oh, thank goodness. That's a, that's a trip. Uh, <laughs> um, got a, with regards to the facility itself, I'm thinking of, like, me being an, an old man rider who, man, you know, like driving three hours to go practice – you have you have campsites do you have so do they have do those campsites have like facilities there or is it just dry camp so i have i have 22 power spots um and a 10 of them have water hookups on them the other have a water fill station that you could fill up uh no dump station okay and then plenty of dry camping on the, the property as well so i'm asking for a guy like me who's going to come with my gladiator and my trailer have you worked out a deal so you got this Saturday practice and then Sunday I can take my wife out for a nice dinner and then we can go back and practice. Have you worked out a deal with a local hotel to do a package, weekend package yet? I have not. Um, that's a, a great idea. I need to reach out to them and probably will because I don't know if you know uh, we are 10 minutes from the beach. So like if you came there and stayed there, you know, there's hotels all around, and then you could take your wife right to Flagler Pier, eat on the beach, and be back in, you know, 15 minutes. Well, it's going to take longer to eat, but. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's that makes a nice weekend. So she hangs out with you, you practice. You're done, like you said, you're done at 3 o'clock. And yep. you go home, you, you go back to the hotel, you shower, you go eat a nice dinner, you watch a movie in the hotel, and you get up the next morning, you come in, and you, and you ride again. So um, I was just wondering because, like, I can sell that weekend. <laughs> I, 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 I can sell that. You know, hey, we're gonna go up and we're gonna we're gonna go have a nice dinner. Uh, I mean, you can't really. St. Augustine Beach. It's 
I've played on the oldest putt putt course up there. You know, like it's 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 cool. So, um, yeah. So I I was just wondering if that I know you got the camp spots. I'm not quite there yet, but is there a place? So you're we're near enough that we're not going to drive out to the boonies to go practice and then have to drive 45 minutes to get to a hotel. But if you had a package type thing set up with a referral, that would be pretty cool too. Yeah, yeah. And there's um you know very valid points. A very good idea. I need to reach out to them ASAP because there's probably five hotels within five, 10 miles max from us. Cool. Cool. My second question was, I know you said you had some things you're working on and I would like to know as much as you're willing to tell us kind of the dream of where CJ sees Packstrap going. And, and, and I, and that's going to lead me to another question, but let's handle that one first. That you're, well, that you're willing, that you're willing to say publicly at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think most people that know me kind of know my visions and know where I want to be. And the, the problem with telling you what my vision is is I don't know the full extent of my vision. Um, I know I never want to stop growing, right? Like, you know, my goal is to be a motocross resort, not a motocross track. So when I, w- I want people to come into my facility and be like, oh, wow, yeah. we're at a motocross resort, but – in the same breath, not like not pay resort fees. Obviously, we got to stay in business. So I'm not saying I'm doing this to to jack up the thing, but you know, when you come into our facility, I want the first impression to be go, wow, this is a nice facility. And then, secondly, like you said, you're trying to bring your wife. You know, ultimately, I'd like to have a pool on the premises where your wife, your daughter, your other kids that don't ride can come and hang out. You know, and enjoy the the facility, and then you ride and get in your camper, go back to the motel and hang out at the pool, like whatever the case is. So like, that's where we're going. Probably some cabins on the property eventually. Um, just, you know, like more of a little resort style facility. Well, I will tell you on that vein, my daughter works at a uh, 110 acre horse facility in Tallahassee called Mayhan farms. And the owner of that facility actually has, um, hookups, on her property so people coming down i-10 coming from texas or different places can stop in and kind of rest there as horse owners or passing through and she actually has a couple of travel trailers that and horse trailers that are like hooked up and they're airbnbs and people come in and literally they'll come in for horse shows and instead of getting a hotel they'll just stay in one of those RVs on site and they bring their horse in, they stable them. Same, same philosophy. And it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's a money maker, it's a business drawer for her. Yeah. And so we actually have an Airbnb on site that is not active right now. So everybody don't go run into <laughs> try to find it. Um, Derek, I don't know if you've seen the big gray trailer over there, you know, uh, right behind Bex Tech. He yeah. was kind of hiding yeah, for yeah. us this weekend. But that is actually a two separate room Airbnb that we brought in for that. I we've just been so busy, wide open. I haven't had time to build the porch, build the deck, and you know fill, uh, finish all the amenities in it. So it's already built out. It's already done. It, you know, hopefully by this winter we'll have that up. Um, would that but that would be the long term goal is to put a few more Airbnbs and you know little cabins and stuff in there. Would that open it up a la the? I'm sure you've seen the house. I don't know. It's down in South middle South Florida somewhere that is got the motocross track, the house and people, you can rent it. Would that be something where you would be on your off days having that so people could come in and train or motocross vacation? 
Um, no. No. Okay. All right. No, we're strictly, um, and that's actually a great question because we get this question a lot. So we get people asking us like, why don't we just run a full blown training facility? Can, how much does it cost to live there? And we don't want any of that. Um, you know, what I tell everybody is to, to keep my vision the way it's going is I want to see people for a week or two and then see them again next year. Like I don't want long-term residents on our property. Um, just because like we, that's not our goal and not our vision. There's so many other training facilities out there that you can go live at and they'll do better. Our practice business is a huge draw. So we need to keep that going. Um, and I think like if you get into the training facility, it will push away from the practice business and the track itself. Yeah, I like, I like to hear that because there's, there's more practice facilities than there is, you know, riding facilities for your average rider. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard for, kids that just want to get into the sport that have that know nobody or um like you got dade city you got you guys but if you went to full-blown training where like you guys moto sandbox you know all those guys the, the tracks like that like if you went that route to me it's the sport's already getting hard enough with the tracks being dri- driven out by developers and and everything else that you know it's just one more element to take away from the future of the sport yeah, for sure. So uh, my next question regarding now that you've answered the others, that kind of leads me to do you track owners, do you get along? I know there's always competition. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real estate agent in, in our area, and I like a lot of our real estate agents, but I also want to beat them. Um, is there a, a cordial relationship kind of what has been formed with – whether I don't care the politics, I don't really care the economics, what's happened with the Nationals, and you see the same thing in the Enduros, you have the National Enduro Promoters Group, and they have these races that kind of get shuffled around throughout the year. Is, is there a cordial relationship with the tracks in Florida, or are we at odds with one another? Um, really, I can only speak for myself. And I think for most part, it is very cordial. But for me, I'm in a unique situation because before I owned a track, I ran the Florida Georgia Series, you know, for seven years or something of that nature. So I built a relationship with all the track owners in Florida, um, you know, in South Georgia for the last seven, ten years. Um, and, and some of them became really good friends of mine. So for me, I have a really good relationship with majority of the track owners in Florida. Um so yeah i would say majority of them are cordial um yeah i think it's pretty cordial throughout i would say that too just the tracks that i've been to i mean you don't hear any of you guys talk about the other tracks in a bad way um i mean the only negativity you really hear is from riders which well they're always going to be negative yeah but there's there is a lot of tracks you know every track has its issues where i will say like with your track there there's and, and not just because you're on here like there's not really any complaints that i could give you at all um it, it, you know we travel to all the tracks and there's each track does have its problems or you get some of the owners that are very bold-headed about their track i mean it is their track but they don't want to take any advice from anybody else where we could i feel like you're pretty open we could come and talk to you and i know you know some guys did come and talk to you and you're pretty free about how you think um because we you know our input does matter in a way and but i know some of these other owners they 
they don't really care what they have. They'll listen to you, but you know, it's in one ear and out the other. And I, I don't think you're like that at all. Yeah. Well, I think it's with any business and you guys own businesses. So I think you have right. to be subjective to what you listen to. And I tell everybody, it's like, Hey, like if you have an opinion, bring it to me. I'm definitely going to listen to it. Now, whether I act on it or not, that's a whole nother story. Like yeah. I got to think like, it's got to make sense to me. Um, and you know, like you said, you didn't think there was anything that people bitch about our track, man. They, people bitch about it. Oh yeah. So, there's, I'm saying like myself, I didn't, right. have, I didn't have complaints, but there is going to be, you can't please everybody. Like I, I just said a few minutes ago, you, there's somebody that left there unhappy. That's just right. There's nothing. You and can you know do what though? Like, and that's okay. And I think you almost need to have that because riders are so subjective, you know, like you may like off roads, you may like supercross, you may like Orlando, you may like packs, you may like Boswick. Like, you know, the tracks are so much different and it may not fit everybody's riding style. So like when somebody's like, Oh man, I didn't like your track. Like it doesn't hurt my feelings. And I think it may hurt other people's feelings, like track owners out there. Like it doesn't hurt my feelings because I like, I go, okay, yeah, cool. Like, you know, I've rode a ton of tracks in my life yeah. that I didn't like neither. No, and hell, sometimes when I do stuff to our track, I don't like it either. So, <laughs> like, I get it, you know. I can tell you as a guy who's not real good and doesn't do a lot of motocross, I've ridden Dade City. I went down when there used to be 74 MX and, you know, rest in peace. Um, and I felt safe on those tracks. I've seen Tampa MX, and it's a great track, but I'm not riding it because I'm not clearing a straight peak double. Like that's not, that's not me. Like, give me a fake double that's a tabletop, really, and I can clear it or I can case it, and I'm, I'm going to be okay. But a straight peak double, I'm not going to clear. And, and so it's not my cup of tea. And I think that's you know I I think for each rider, familial you know whatever the parents feel is safe, the kids feel is safe. Now, when I follow, if I follow Derek over that peak double, I'm going to make it. But if I go there by myself, I, I the first time I went to 74 MX. I rode on their turn track the entire time. I never I never stepped foot on the large motocross track. I went back with my buddy, and he's like, dude, come out here. Just come out. Just come out and follow me around. And I started riding. I'm like, oh, my God. I was like 85% clearing the, the, the finished tabletop. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Like, it was the same way when I took you to Spider that yeah, one time because yeah. everything's pretty, Pe bi yeah. pretty big there. Yeah. And it takes a – you have, you have to be a special rider to like tracks like yours or like spider because it's just the the height of everything that's intimidating yeah. like to me i love it but there's a lot of riders that are scared to death of things like that but you you also have the the versatility of the peewee track the intermediate track where everything's not as big yeah well i could i, yep. I could go to packs i can tell you right now i could go to packs but the fact that that lap time on that intermediate track is what it is mm -hmm. i could go there and i could i could spend 60 minutes on that track and get better yeah and that's a track you would have a blast yeah. on just, and i would have a blast being on it like i was on a 110 on that track and it was fun yeah well the bi the bigger track it's harder for small bikes like you on the bigger track i do think it would be pretty it'd be intimidating for you know a rider of your point but it, it either way the entire facility has yeah. options so. yeah and, and i think over time I'd go there and I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to jump this, but this have, this feels good. And the corner, I've I've watched the videos and stuff of your track, and I just look at some of the corners. I'm like, that's what I need to practice. Forget <laughs> the jumps, like just give me that. Like, but uh, I think it's awesome. And I I got a random question for you. Sidetrack. Yeah. Sorry, my brain goes my brain goes all all over the place. The Florida Georgia series. We now have the Florida 
MX series or the Boss series, or whatever they call it. We have the I4 MX series. We still have. Is is there still Gold Cup? There still is Gold Cup, right? Yep, there's still okay. Gold Cup. So, got a question. Would it behoove us? Because I think it's cool for when I was a kid racing BMX, we raced, or when I was playing tennis, we did state races. We did local races, and then we went to state competition. And then we kind of did what we called sectionals. And then we went to nationals. Is there a place, maybe the Florida series or the I4MX series, is there a place for one of those to transition back into a Florida Georgia series? Because there are still some tracks in that area. Um, not trying to step on toes. I'm no, and I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking of like the logistics of it. I, could it work? Yeah, and I think Dean with the Florida series is kind of pushing that envelope a little bit. You know, he's going up to Sunshine State MX now, which is um, on the Florida Georgia line in Valdosta. Okay. Um, he's also going to North Florida, um, which is called Hilliard or North Florida MX. And it's on the line of Folkestone, Georgia. You know, it's um, northern northern Jacksonville. Okay. So, you know, Dean's kind of the farthest where he goes down. He had around at Mesa. He had around at Moto Bros. I guess Moto Bros would be farther than Mesa. Um, he goes over to Tampa MX. Dean's kind of covering the whole state yeah, of Florida right now. And I, and I guess what everything. you got to lose is is somebody willing to travel like, you know, somebody that's in West Palm Beach to – Sunshine State, that's probably a five-hour drive. You know, for a yeah, yeah. local race on a weekend, when you get done, like, if you're getting big turnouts, no matter how efficient you are with the program, it's probably going to be five or after five o'clock before you even, you know, are done racing. And by the time you pack up, you got to imagine 637. Well, now you're getting home at 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Um, And that's where I agree with you. But I also remember – those moments with my when we did that stuff in BMX and in tennis, man, that's just part of it. You make that commitment as the family. I guess that's you. You don't have to do it. You can just go to to Dade City and race the Saturday night class. But if you're trying to if you're trying to expand your because I'm telling you, Miami MX and and Sunshine are going to be two different soil compositions. Oh yeah. One hundred percent, and I, and I'm with you, man. And I like I truly believe what like I agree with what you're saying. Um, the, the only question I would say was like, did you guys have as many races? Because some of these families are racing, you know, forty five weekends out of the year. And I think if it's a one off, say like an area qualifier, you know, where the family takes off and they're like, oh yeah, we're going to we're going up to Tennessee and we're gonna leave Wednesday and we'll get there Thursday and set up and we'll practice Friday, race Saturday, race Sunday, drive home Monday. You know, like. If you do that once, twice, three times a year, I think it's not that big of a deal. But, again, with races every weekend, I think Dean has maybe 14 or 12 races in his series. Plus, if you're jumping in the Dade City series or you're jumping down to see um, Kenny Yoho with the I-4, like coming home at 12 o'clock and then for a parent just going to work the next day is hard, maybe for yeah. a kid going to school. That's hard because, like, we'll, we'll run the whole Dade City series just because of the championship and getting his first year under his belt, like – that's 21 races so yeah. it's 21 weeks and it's we go up friday we leave sunday just because it, it's exhausting and yep. then you know we will hit we hit a couple off a, cu- a couple off races here and there you know jumping in i4 we'll jump in a florida series you know here on the podcast we actually have um we sponsored the florida series race at or through fca 
at Dade City in August. You know, so we'll hit that one, and then um, we try to jump around a little bit just to get him some different feels. But it's it's a lot. Like like you're saying, for when you're doing this every weekend, to travel four or five hours up and then race a day and try to come back the next day or then that same night, it's it gets to be a ton. Like even being at the camp for a week. And then going straight to racing, and then coming home, dude. I'm I'm still tired. Well, I guess that's that's part of my for CJ is that I've got another question, but I want to finish this thought. Is yes, I feel like that's tough. It is tough, but there is the potential of for a kid. Let's start local. Let's just go to Dade City or whatever other track, Bithlow or or whatever. It's not Bithlow anymore. It's Orlando. Orlando. Um, let's just go and do those weekend series. And then the next year we do one of the series that goes to different tracks. And then, hey, man, I want to do more. Then you branch off and you do yeah. those. And then you lead to that, like you said, CJ, the area qualifiers, which that is a thorn in my side because I feel like what you said is, hey, we're going to do this area qualifier and then the regional and we might go try it. Then all of a sudden, we're not racing that much. And that's one of those things. Do you feel that these kids need to just be getting more gate drops? Yes, 100%. Um, I'm not a huge advocate for Loretta's. So, uh, you know, I I think we are missing the race structure, the race pace, like, when the guys would just race over and over Cooper Webb, like, I mean, look at how good his race craft is. And I think that's because he just grew up racing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you I, know, I think we kind of have the same mindset on that. Like we have a five-year-old and we're, we're at Dade city all the time because of how many races they get at five years old. You got to have the experience because it's, it's, yes. it's just nerves. So he literally, he runs two classes, he, he, the, the peewee four to six and then the, the 54 to six. So, him dropping the gate is literally all that matters right now because now he's excited to race before you know he's scared to death now he's excited to go to different races and that's why this year you know what you said trey we are just hitting local you know we'll we'll hit a couple one-off races here and there but because he's so young i want i wanted him to understand what it's like what it feels like you know as a family what we do when we're there and then next year the, the goal was to move yeah. You know, we'll start hitting series, you know, when he's comfortable. And I'm I'm not a huge Loretta's advocate either. Um, of course, that's that's what you have to do to do anything in the sport. Like, if you wanted to be something in the sport. I want to go be a fan one time, but I'm 50 years old, yeah. 51 years old. I just want to go be a fan and hang out. But, like, our kid at five years yeah. old looks me straight in the eye every day. When can I race Supercross? <laughs> well, kid... When you put your time in, you know, so Loretta's will probably be in our future if we make it there someday. But for right now, that's what we focus on is gate drops, like gate drop after gate drop after gate drop. So I, I think we kind of have the a lot of the same mindset when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. Well, CJ, I got a, I got another question for you on the I got actually it's an opinion and, and I don't want to get you in trouble. But you were just you you did talk about how like getting home at midnight and or or later and the expense and I remember my mom when I I was a national ranked BMX racer and we went Friday Saturday Sunday if we were racing local 
We raced in Sarasota on Friday, Orlando on s Saturday, and Lake Alfred on Sunday afternoon. And I did that out of a Dodge Omni. And then when we went to Nationals, we had a Class C motorhome. But a lot of times, we put a bike rack on the back of a Dodge Omni, and we just went and raced. And I think for some of these families, I think the show, and I'm saying, yes, I'm saying this out loud. I'm looking at the camera right now. I think the show is more important than getting the drops. And if they did it a little more economically, they could still go to get all these gate drops and it wouldn't cost the family so much money. I, and that's just my opinion. So I'm just curious. You see it all. You're there. You see it. I mean, these guys come in and they've got all these rigs. The kids have four or five bikes and so on and so forth. And do they really need them? Or could they throw them in the back of a pickup truck and a trailer and move on? So... I see both sides. Um, and you can ask me anything. You won't ever get me in trouble. I, I don't really care a whole lot about what people think about me. I speak my mind anyway. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I see both sides. So like we are, you know, part of it because we had a business that was at a racetrack every weekend. So we have a big class A motor home. Um, and you know, I had a class C before that, but I could tell you when you, you're racing 45 weekends out of the year, you want to be as comfortable as you can. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to exaggerate on this too when you're done because yeah. yeah so yeah. like you want to be as comfortable as you can. Um, and then I can like just continue on with that. So like I have a Dodge Sprinter van, you know, it's kind of built out. It ain't, it's not made to live in, uh, but it can hold bikes. It can go to races and do that. So like we can do that locally. Uh, you know, maybe you go up for a Saturday race, come home to your house, go back to a Saturday race. If there's a local race within an hour or two, like that's not bad, but, if you're driving up somewhere and you're going to a race in a, a sprinter van and then you got to get up and go to a hotel in the morning or at, go to the hotel and then, you know, wake up at five in the morning, get back to the track, get in the line to get in, you know, hopefully sign up lines aren't that long. Um, that's kind of a pain in the butt. We were going to muddy Creek, my motorhome. My wife was actually taking our kid up to, to race in the motorhome. She ran something over and uh, something happened to it. So, went up with my Dodge Sprinter or my Mercedes Sprinter picked up our trailer and we hauled ass to, to Muddy Creek. And I can tell you, it was miserable, man. <laughs> like not having your, your comfort there. Right. Yeah. Not having a bathroom to use, not being able to take a shower at night. Um, it, it's five days, you know, in Muddy Creek, it was muddy. Like we, you know, we're covered in mud. We're trying to work on bikes. Um, if you're going to be a national level rider, you got to have, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven bikes nowadays because yep. one little thing goes wrong and, and you just wasted, you know, $5,000 on a trip in five days to, to try to get your kid into the regional and because your, your bike blew up or something. So yes. Can you go racing for a lot cheaper? 100%. Um, I think the comfort creatures of RVs, actually bring our families a little closer to our our racing um environment you know it's easy to bring the wife and kid uh, maybe a, a daughter or another kid that doesn't race to the track when they don't have to stand out at the tax tracks camp in 110 degree they could sit in the rv and you know play the xbox or watch tv on um you know their, their favorite tv show or whatever yeah and i will never argue that because uh being part of the ftr and, and gncc and stuff like that and that is one of the as much as i brought that point up it is also one of the points that it makes what racing is 
so exciting. Um, yes. Because of the fact that you can hang out. Like, there's nothing. I'm, my wife and I, we're actually looking to get a Class E because there's only two of us, and we're doing it because we're empty nesters at this point, and we just want to take our dogs when we go to races. And yep. for us, I don't have to rush home on a Monday morning per se, but I get it because that is part of the joy. I was thinking more of the, along the lines of, like, running up to – go to a practice something that's close versus these long races and trying to lessen the burden of the family every weekend loading out the class a and and because i see some of my my friends that do it and i'm like dude we're literally you drove here today you're spending one night and you're going home not you're spending the week here prepping you're literally getting up tomorrow morning and racing and you're going home but I'm also I'm one of those guys that doesn't get to take a shower on the way home. I've driven from Alabama home and dirty. Yep. So, but that goes back to your um, previous question about like the Florida Georgia and stuff like that. So Randy Yoho's did an amazing job in creating that series at Dade City, where you know he races there Saturday night. You get there at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. You sign up. You practice. You race. You go home. He has a lot of his clientele is local there. You have all day Sunday off where. Um, you know, if if it was a Florida series, again, that guy in, in West Palm Beach, you know, for him to get, well, even not West Palm, say a guy in Orlando is going up to North Florida, that's three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to be there on Saturday morning at, you know, nine, you need to get up at six or, you know, probably get up at four, get your family in the car by 530 or whatever and be on the road. And then it's the same thing on the way home. So, yeah, no, the, I, I understand. I was just trying to think of any way to expand the reach because it is it is expensive yes the motorcycles are expensive but when you think about the fact that you do in order to do it at that highest level you kind of need the accommodations or or some whether it's a built-out trailer a sprinter you know whatever it is that you can rinse off cool off get out of the because i when we were at lazy river uh lazy Lazy springs Springs. sorry lazy springs last weekend um we were with uh, the c family and luckily for us, they had a fifth wheel, and we went and sat in the air conditioner for a couple of minutes because it was hotter than Hades, and there was nowhere to get out of. There was no shade anywhere. So I get it, but I just, you know, you're as a fan, you're just kind of hoping. You're just hoping there's some way to make it more economical so that other people can enjoy what we enjoy. So I, I can exaggerate on both sides of it. I've done both, CJ. I guarantee you've done both. You know, we we all started in the bed of a truck or or a little trailer or whatever it took. But like with us, with a family of five, I can't imagine not taking the toy hauler because yeah. the the comfortability of just being there. Like my wife doesn't want to sit outside in 100 degrees and work on bikes all day long. Like, and she doesn't want to sit under a, an easy up canopy when it's you know 130 underneath the canopy. It's it can be done in the bed of a truck, like CJ said, or you know, like you said. But you're by the time you're done doing that, it's it's almost like you don't want to do it anymore because it's exhausting. Yeah. And with the toy hauler, yeah, it's a, it's a it's an expense. The truck, the toy hauler. If you have a class A, you know, we had a class A. We we switched up the class A for a, a truck and a toy hauler just because there's no class A that fit our family of five the way that we wanted. So we went with the toy hauler, and I. I would never go back, I don't think. But, I, like I said, I can't imagine being without it. And it's it's it makes the sport a lot harder because 
I think the guys in the trucks are, well, that's what I need, you know. I need to have that toy hauler. I need to have this or I need to have that. So I think there's a lot of mentality that's going into this sport that I need, I need, I need. And But from CJ's point of the bikes, like we have eight bikes in our garage. And if one goes down, if you're trying to get to that next level, you you need that extra bike because you can't all – the way it parts are right now, you can't get parts. So if your bike has a part that's on back order but you have that extra bike, then – you're not wasting any kind of time whatsoever. If you're at a track, a lot of them aren't going to carry, you know, odds and end parts that you need. Yeah. You know, motor parts are just one of those things that you better have it in stock. And a lot of the tracks aren't going to have, you know, crucial motor parts. They'll have top ends and stuff, but that's that's about it. Well, to CJ's point about having the extra bikes, I'm an amateur racer, and I'm going to do the Enduro Series next year. I'm already looking at I need a set of rims, tires, with full setup with a set of mooses in them because – I'm not driving to Arkansas to get a flat tire. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, and, and so I've never ridden on mooses. I don't they're, they're, it's going to suck for me, but I'm going to go ride I'm going to get a set of tires set up with mooses in them. But also to that point, so say you're doing that out of a Sprinter van and you know something does happen to your bike where us with the toy hauler, I can pull my bike into the AC garage, yeah. you know, and I could spend all night breaking that thing down. Um, yeah, we carry top ends with us, and if I have to rebuild a bike inside of my garage and my toy hauler, I can. Where you can't really do that in the bed of a truck. It's have you seen my trailer? Yeah. CJ, I have a trailer that you have to duck to get in. It's short, but I, I haul it. <laughs> I haul it with my Gladiator, and we do that because I used to ha have a four door Jeep, and we would go to Indiana for the GNCC, and I could tow it anywhere, but it's yep. short. Well, one night we had to make a change on the bike in a parking lot of a Quality Inn Suites. And my wife and I, my wife's in there with a, we have the lights on, we have the truck on. There is some sort of party happening outside of our, outside, and we're taking up two parking spots. There's people coming out fully decked out in the nines, dressed to the T, and I'm in there with a light on in the trailer. Michelle's sitting there with a light, and we're trying to fix something on my, I can't remember what it was. It was something simple. And we're, I'm trying to, like, duck, and I, I must have banged my head 15 times. So I get it. I get it. And, and I appreciate it, and, and it makes the point clear, like, hey, man, you might have to make these sacrifices, but I still think those sacrifices, if you really want to test your will, you can't do it just going to Dade City, and maybe you can't do it just in a state series. You might need to branch out, and you know what? You might get to the Florida Georgia series and realize, you know what? I don't have it, and, and I can just do it for fun, and I can start going to Pax Track and ride three days a week and have have a blast, Yeah, and... and I don't know. I just feel like there, there's kind of you have the state series and then you go to nationals and that's it. There, there's no in between at this point. Unless I'm missing something. No, I think I think you're on it. Like the I guess it, when, when you start the sport, you almost need to. You almost need to have in your head, like, where do I want to go with it? Yeah, because do you when it comes to the investments of the toy haulers or the class A's or whatever? it is an investment for your racing career because if you just want to be a, a local Dade city guy, you, you don't need all that if you're, if you're local. Um, but yeah, I, we're keep rambling on about this, yeah. this topic, but it, it, to excel your career, having one for the comfortability is, is almost crucial because you know, we're, we're in ours how many weeks of the year. Yeah. So, it's just home away from home. CG, what do you think about arena cross? I love it. 
<laughs> <laughs> I know that like there's a lot of the, um, we're kind of in a honestly for Florida I'm gonna say this we're kind of in a crappy area to enjoy arena cross at its fullest extent it's very much a Midwest Northeast winter type thing uh, is there is there is there a place for it in Florida or are we just so blessed with our weather that you can ride outdoors and all year long yeah there there is no place for it in Florida um, it was big in like 2012 13 14 um, down here there's quite a few arena cross tracks um, but even back then like you had the Amsoil um, the Amsoil AMA arena cross series I think it was the kicker arena cross series back then too. Now yep. the kicker, I believe is just started back up. Um, yeah, we're, we're just too blessed, man. We have too many motocross tracks and I, I don't say that in a bad way. Right. But, um, there's too many places you can go ride around here. If you have a amateur arena cross track, it gets boring for a fast guy. Pretty, pretty easy. Yeah. Um, where you can have almost an amateur motocross track and even, you know, an a guy, a pro can can go out and have fun, and so can an amateur rider. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we had quite a few uh, arena cross tracks back in the day. They kind of went away. I think the reason why they're so big up north is because when you're you know locked up and cooped up in your house and you haven't been on your dirt bike, you could you could open up your garage and put a pile of dirt and probably have a blast, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. It doesn't matter at that point in time. You just want to get on your dirt bike and ride, and you know like those are are those arenas they got up there are awesome man and they get the job done well yeah. i think the closest we have anything if you want to do that is north carolina offers one in the winter time yeah. that, that's about the closest that you can get here so i'm from pennsylvania originally yeah. well so you race in barn so we literally when arena cross came to the area it was amazing because yeah. most most of the winter we would find some kind of sport that would keep you in shape or you would have to, i mean you, you'd go to the gym every single day because you literally have nothing else to do because there's no riding and half of my life even even to this day i still consider building a motocross facility up there that's arena cross in the winter and then we run the outdoors in the summer um and i i've always thought about having like a motocross resort and that's where like talking to you has as i don't know there's there's so, so much in common between us that it's it's unreal but i've i've thought about that over and over again about building a whole facility up there because it's such a game changer up there it's, it's insane yeah would you ever want to host a national um no i don't <laughs> have the facility for it okay. like yeah yeah ultimately if i had a different facility man i would love to, to take on that challenge and and try it like how rad would that be um you know great friends with junior at ww i was there for every race he's ever put on there um, hey i'm gonna say i went for the national and i went for the mxgp and I know, yep. I thought they were awesome. I mean, as a fan, I know it was hotter than Hades, but honestly, that track was awesome. Like, it was cool. And I don't know <laughs> if, if that's the right facility for it, if that's the space you need or, or the track you need, but that was cool. I, as a fan, I had a blast. Yeah, I did too, and I, I may be a little jaded because, you know, I had front, my, my RV. So if you went there, you know where the announcer's tower is at WW. Yep. Well, so right next to the announcer's tower is my parking spot. So my RV and my trailer was there, and we blew up like kiddie pools, and we sat in water <laughs> and, and literally watched the race from right there. So it, it was one of the most rad experiences I ever been part of. Um, 
But it's going to take a facility like that, you know, and unfortunately it wasn't worth Junior's efforts, I think, in the long run um, to continue on with that. You know, whether it was stress, financial, I don't know the whole out, whole outcome, but it, it's going to take a facility that to that nature, big, um, you know, probably 300 acres, 400 acres for parking. So when people dig on these national tracks, they're, they're there. Yes, there's some politics that go along with it but they're there because they have the facility I, I guess and that's I was going to ask you this I was listening to a podcast I'm way behind on my podcast listening but I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about Millville has three different preps and um, the guy I was listening to was talking about yeah they're going to do the middle prep for me when I go ride because they told me I would not enjoy the pro prep Do you, and I'm guessing that's just the way it's disked the depth of which it's disked um, yeah the, the water and the way they till it um yeah majority like majority bikes like you know a, an average rider on a stock bike isn't going to make it around a national prep track even when it's fully prepped like yeah. it's just so deep and loamy yeah yeah I, so how do you guys prep yours is it do you dis perfection <laughs> i agree i like, like it. That, that track yeah. i like it even even on the worst day we got all that rain right before i went out and rode it and it was still it was slick from yeah. all the rain, but there was nothing, like I said, there was nothing to complain about even after rain, where a lot of these other tracks, you'll go out there and it's just a mud fest. Yeah. We didn't have that. I was laughing at the race last weekend. There was a table, and it was a pretty decent-sized table, but it wasn't the big table. And the kids kept jumping into the middle of the table, and there was a giant mud puddle in the middle of the table. And I'm like, okay, kids, I'm just saying, like, jump five more feet, and you clear the mud hole. I think they were jumping in the mud hole on purpose, but you were talking about the track was like they had a lot of rain, and that track was like it held up pretty well. But that's another one of those facilities. We were talking about facilities. There's a facility for everybody. That is a great practice track. It was tight for a racetrack, but it also yeah. gave, it also gave a different perspective. You know, in IndyCar, they race in all these different circuits, and NASCAR raced on a street course yesterday. I think it's okay to have these variety of races, but they don't have a normal race series down there because that track's not suited for that. Yeah. But it was a great one-off race to throw into a series. Um, and it was cool dirt, and, and it was different, but I'm sure there were a lot of people like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Well, guess what? There's tracks I go right on in the middle of the woods, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome, and this one sucks. So yep. I, I, think it's, I think it's good, but that's that variety of what we're able to do. Um, you go to Sebring and Daytona, there's two different road courses right there. I mean, they're completely different, but they're both road courses. So I think it's okay that you have that variety, and I think that's what I think I, I enjoy about the like these Florida series um, that you guys host and, and different things is the the variety of dirt and the variety of tracks and that you can change. And that was another question I had. You're a track owner. You're a track owner. Derek and yep. I talked about this. These national tracks, I watched the races. Thank God Red Bud they changed their start this year. They changed the entrance to the leap. They they changed a couple lanes. The track looked a little different. Why is it so hard to change these tracks? We should not go back to the same track two years in a row. There's, it's dirt. Or or am I just naive? Um, you're not naive um, because they don't have to, right? Like, they're going to get the same outcome whether they change the track or not. So why why put the effort in and and that's you know what I've I kind of realized but I'm a rider so like I'm hurt now so I'm not riding 
but up until the time I got hurt, I ride two or three days a week still, uh, especially when we're training. So like I get bored on my track and we change, you know, we don't do full track changes, but we try to change an obstacle every two to three weeks on our track for sure. Yeah. Like whether it's a corner or, or maybe just putting a anthill somewhere or changing a jump, the, the track, you know, never stays the same. But by doing that, I'm not bringing in a ton more business. Actually quite opposite for local practicers they want the track to stay exactly the same because once somebody gets a jump down, like yeah. a, a novice rider that's not comfortable jumping jumps, once he gets a jump down, he starts building confidence on that jump, and then he loves that jump, right? Like he wants to come to packs, and we have like what we call our 90-footer, which is our big table. And as soon as somebody jumps that jump, all, that's all they want to do is jump that jump, <laughs> jump that jump. That and jump if I took fun. that jump out, they'd be so mad. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm smiling because I, I, I completely understand as a fan watching professional racing, but I also I watch professional car racing, and guess what? They don't really change those tracks very often. Right. Um, but I just think, like, man, these motocross tracks, it would be so cool to see just a different obstacle. And, and I agree with you. I, and, yeah, and I, I, I On the business side of it, like, yeah, there, there's it literally no point yeah. in doing yep. it when... I, I agree. That's just an expense that they don't have to have. I mean, I could have watched High Point with my eyes closed. It was the exact same track as last year. Yep. It's been the same track for yeah. a long time. And, Minus and, a tiny few imperfections they've changed here. And I know, like, Southwick sometimes will run it backwards or forwards or whatever, but I just think, like, dude, just change something. One thing. One thing. Like you say, I think it would be cool. I, I think one of the hardest things for a motocross racer is we love a nice arced corner. Well, give us one that's decreasing radius or an increasing radius and see how we handle that at some point and you know how does that screw with our minds when we go into it because for road racers that's an amazingly tough concept for them to grasp so for a dirt rider what do we do do we diamond it do we do we go in hard and then you know drift out do we have to slow down even more and i just think something that just makes us change i know that randy does that quite a bit at dade city they change the track they change almost all the time and, yep, every three weeks. Yeah. Yep. And I just think that's it. yeah, it, it there's the base that's there, the base jumps, the base stuff, but they change something. So um I just I was just wondering from the from the track owner side of things, am I am I being naive and I appreciate that I'm not being naive, but I also understand the economics of it. Yeah, it it's it's my pet peeve, man, honestly, like and I that's why I really love Randy and love going to Date City because it's never the same track. Um but sometimes, you know, you just waste – you do it and you waste a bunch of money and you don't get the outcome you want, so. Well, that's what they did at Gatorback. I mean, the past couple of years, Gatorback used to go up and down the hills, and now it doesn't anymore. I mean, it doesn't do it the way it used to do it. They, they've changed the way that track is run now. And I remember going there and watching a guy split his bike in half on the elevator. And, <laughs> yeah. and I went there the last year they ran the Outdoor National, and that was so much fun. Uh, I got something from Deegan. I remember seeing, yeah, Deegan has this giant tattoo of Deegan on himself. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, it's just, I, I just, I go there now and I'm like, oh, wow, it looks different than it used to. But um, on the business side of things, you say you're not a big Loretta's fan, but would you ever want to host an area or a regional? For sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
yeah, that that's. I mean, listen, I'm a fan of money, so and, and, and those those races, areas, and regional qualifiers are nothing but manufacturers of money. So could you yeah, could you put on a show that you feel like people would? Yes, for you economically it would be good, but do you feel you could put on a show at your track that people would like? Oh man, excuse my French. Oh shit, this is awesome. Yeah, one hundred percent. We. Okay. Um, everything we do, people tend to say that, and I'm not bragging by any means. No, that's um, fine. And it's not me; it's my entire crew. I got there, but that—that's our goal, right? Like, is we don't half-ass anything. So if we put on a race, whether it's a Florida Series race, whether it's a Sunshine State Vintage race, whether it's a Boss race, um, above and beyond is, is what we do. And when you you leave there, we want you to be like, man, the Pax Track crew and facility was phenomenal. So, yeah. So speaking of packs, what do you what do you guys have coming up? I was just about to ask that. What's 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 coming on? Uh, we actually have another Florida Series race in August. So the one we had last weekend or two weekends ago, it's all kind of run together. So I don't even know exactly when it was. Um, was the makeup race for Mesa since Mesa closed down? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, we were able to kind of make that work and, and help Dean out. So we have his our original race. Um, which is August 25th or somewhere around there. You guys would have to check out the FloridaSeries.com website. <laughs> I don't, I don't have it on me. Um, and then other than that, we will probably have a winter camp coming up. Um, we don't know if that's going to be in November or December. That's in the works. And then as we go into the first of the year, that's really our busy time, starting January, um, and then Bike Week our track is kind of like a madhouse with just all the people down for Daytona Supercross. Yep. And uh, we will be hosting a race Wednesday before Daytona Supercross. Um, a really, really, really big race. So that's – I won't give out too much information, but I definitely – once we uh, release it, which should be this month, um, maybe I'll come back on here and we'll talk about yeah. it. But Yeah, let's do that because – You think there's a way we could possibly cover it? Yeah, for sure. That'd of course. be awesome because we're – we go to Supercross every year in Daytona. Um, it'd be awesome to come up there first and do all that, and then I did the Alligator Enduro. So if you're doing that, I did the Alligator Enduro on Thursday this year. So, like, I'd probably already be up there. Yeah, that sounds yeah, like a fun event. It, and so the idea and the theme behind this race is uh, we're not taking away from any other races. Like we know we, that the Pro Circuit opens on Thursday, um, so we will have our race on Wednesday. So in theory, somebody can come down, um, whether you're a 50 rider or a 65 rider or a pro rider, um, you can make a lot of money on Wednesday. You could go race the Pro Circuit Open, and then you could go race Daytona Supercross. So. Sweet. Yeah, you definitely keep us in the loop on Sweet. that one. Yeah, it keep us like in the loop because I'd love yep. to. And actually, I'd love to come up uh, that 25th because I know we're covering the race uh, that we're sponsoring. It only makes sense on the 12th. I think it's the 12th. 12th or 13th. Yeah, 12th, yeah. 13th. And I would love to come up and – whether Derek comes up with me or not, I'd love to come up and just hang out, kind of get an idea of what a Florida race, Florida series looks like. Because I've done an I four race and and uh, come up and see what pack one. Check out Pack's track, and uh, I probably won't race because I'm not a motorbike guy. Touch. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I'd love to because um, the facility looks awesome. As someone that just loves racing, I just love racing, and I love seeing the different facilities and what they offer and 
I don't know. I mean, I just kind of, I just think it's cool, and I think it's awesome that uh, you wanted to come on with us, and I greatly appreciate it, and hope you heal up. I hear you're going through a heck of an injury. I'm, I'm kind of going through one that's not similar, but I've been off the bike for a month and a half, so I understand. So uh, I uh, appreciate that. Hope you heal up, and and I would love to meet you in person. And I know Derek had the opportunity, but uh, I appreciate it. We don't want to hold you. We still got to cover. Redbud and Dade City, so we're going to run through those real quick, I guess. Yeah, like I said, it was a pleasure having you on. It was a pleasure meeting you last week. Um, can't wait to see what the future holds. Uh, like I said, keep us in the loop on, on what you got going on and see if we can't swing up and cover some of it anyway. Yeah, and it's fun getting the insight on a owner, an owner, and actually yeah. getting someone that's in the business and an owner and what you have to offer, and I kind of look forward to the growth and what you have and what you want to have and and uh, seeing how that process goes along. And we will definitely follow along because I think Derek's a fan and, and I'm a fan just because you took the time to, to like, call in and, and talk to us, shoot the shit with us. <laughs> Sweet. Love it, guys. Well, hey, I appreciate you having me on here. You guys have fun on the rest of the show, and uh, I'll tune in and listen. All right, CJ. Thank you so much. All right. See you. All right, bye-bye. Appreciate you. All right, guys, that was C.J. Harris, the owner of Track, driving back from Texas. And uh, we're going to – I don't even know. Oh, I just killed the light. It's all right. I uh, don't even know how long we've been going. What we got? About an hour and 17 minutes oh, in. It's not um, that bad. No, we, we did good. C.J.'s a great guy. That that facility is amazing. Um, that's I can't wait to get more involved with what they do up there. It's a little bit of a drive for us, but I'm more than happy to make it. Yeah. And, um well, it's yeah. cool to have a nice facility in Florida like that. I mean, like we'll never take away, we will never take away from any facility in Florida that is open and offers motocross to people. Yeah. So we're never going to take away. Like I, Randy Yoho is an icon, and if there was a Hall of Fame, he should be in it at some point because the guy's 50 years of being in Florida and some of these other tracks. But like what they're doing up there and their dream of doing, and the fact that they're in the business, and it's not just a money maker. That, yes, we all want to make money, but there's also a passion that goes yeah, along. Yeah, it's with still it. a business, but you have yeah. to have a drive to want to do it. Yeah. Other words, it's not going to succeed. So we can uh, let's breeze through. Speaking of Dade City, let's breeze through that real quick. And yeah, we'll so you so you went to camp. Camp was awesome. You had a great three days. Kids had a blast. Dads were tired. Yeah, kids were tired. Everybody's <laughs> tired. Um, but the camp was good. The camp was amazing, and to hear that he's having a winter camp. It's going to be awesome because we'll be there for sure. I might. I'm, maybe I can talk my wife into, like, letting me go to a camp. There you go. Just come up. It's yeah. Honestly, it's any any level can ride there. Yeah. There was there was kids that could barely ride a bike that were riding. So, so I fit in. Yeah, there you go. Sweet. Old mans that can barely ride can fit right in there, yeah. too. Yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, – It's it, it really was an awesome camp. Like, there, I, I wasn't – just because he was on the phone, there was nothing bad that I can say about it. Yeah. It was It was hot. So if I'm going to say anything bad, it was hot. Yeah. And welcome to Florida in the middle of summer. Yeah, but it was. We were still out there, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day in the heat with no complaints whatsoever. It was, it was fun. Awesome. Um, we left there. We went to Dade City. I I did come home. I got home at nine o'clock Thursday night. We loaded back up Friday morning and left Friday afternoon. Um. Bowen was still tired and. and it showed he had he i will say in practice he had a gnarly wreck um he said his throttle got stuck 
I believe them. At first, I didn't believe them because I picked the bike back up and there was nothing wrong with the throttle. Usually, it's always stuck wide open if it's stuck. Um, he come down off a table wide open and blew right through a turn, and I watched the bike do about four flips before it hit the ground. And he got up screaming, and ever since then, he, he rode scared the rest of the night. And so we, how soon do you just park the P-Dub? We got to finish out this year because uh. I, I got to get that year in on it. He could ride it next year, too, if we wanted. I don't know. We'll see. We're going to see how the season goes. But um, he's doing well on it. We still came out with a fifth and a seventh place finish on both bikes. So fifth in the PW. and um, Was it dry this time? It, it was dry. Hey! The track was dry. There, there was no rain. Um, it was hot. But I will take that heat any day over that muddy mess that we've dealt with for week after week. Yeah, it's been a couple – three or four two or three races straight with mud so yeah, and you know cleaning rvs cleaning bikes it yeah. just sucks it, it was so nice that the bikes are still in the toy hauler like after being so exhausted had there been mud on them they wouldn't be in there i would have pulled them all out get them all washed but all i did was hose them down and put them in there and that's where they sit for now i'll pull them out tomorrow or or something but yeah we came out with a, a fifth and a seventh place finish um not our best not our worst so uh, overall, it was a pretty good night. I know Declan Mead, Kevin's son, had had a really good night. Um, he was exhausted, too. Uh, at the end of the night, it showed. We did have a lot of bike problems, everybody. I worked on so many bikes this weekend um, for, you know, friends and friends that we've met along the way. Caleb Groves, which would be future MX's new, yep. Yep. Uh, I think he's pro-A rider. Um, he burned out a brake line, and he come up to me. He's like, dude, I have no brakes. So we threw that thing on a stand. Uh, he didn't have any support there that race. So we threw that thing on a stand and swapped some brake lines off other bikes that we could and made it work. He, he ended up going down and blowing the brakes back out. Did he qualify for Loretta's? I don't believe so. Um, I haven't got to sit down and talk to him much. He really, really wants to be on this podcast. So we're going to have him in here pretty soon. Um, we were actually talking about it. So look forward to that. But, uh, well, if we, we need to go up on a Friday night, I'll I'll drive up to Dade City yeah. and we can do it there on Friday night. Yep, and he's offered to train Bowen some too. So uh, we're gonna get more involved with him, and you guys get to meet Caleb if you if you haven't met him at all yet. Um, he's a phenomenal rider. Um, but yeah, we got his bike all fixed up, and he went out and he won um, the A class, the Open A at Dade City there for Saturday night. So it was a very hectic night for everybody we had a bunch of 50s that weren't working you know i i literally went from bike to bike to bike to bike so i actually missed bowen's last race caleb is the one that lined bowen up while i worked on his bike which i was great i'm I'm perfectly fine with because he doesn't listen to me he's my kid but listening to a soon-to-be pro guy um i think it it gives him a different mindset and if caleb's going to start training him here a little bit then I felt that me not being there maybe maybe would help him a little bit. Um, I know he went down a few times in that race. The track was gnarly when they, they were going out on the 50s. I think he was like Moto 13 or something like that. So the track was pretty well beat when the yeah. little 50s were going out there. But overall, we did, we did all right. Um, I can't fault him at all for being exhausted. But you survived a week, like yeah. a true Moto and week. Full-blown Moto week. Yeah. Like, like I, th- I told you, I think I texted you on the way home, and you're like, well, have fun your last day. I'm like, dude, I could live for this, but I'm exhausted. Yeah. But it was. It was – the whole week was great. Um, I feel like that's what we live for anyway. So 
there's really no complaints. I'm tired regardless. So yeah. I'd rather be tired from something that we love doing than being tired from work. Yeah, it's, so. it's really cool. I mean, the camp, I mean, I, like, I, like, I, like I started off the podcast was when I was a kid, like, yeah, we had tennis camps and we went to, t- I went to the Gator tennis camp and we spent like four or five days on the Gator campus and you, we didn't have Gator kids really teaching us. We had the head coach would come in every once in a while and talk to us, yeah. but, but we just had kids coaching and um, to have like riders that you can look up to because you'll see them if you race these local series you'll see these riders riding and some of them you'll see on tv or in the results trying to qualify for nationals and it's like oh man they're really good well that's what's that's what i love about like bowen and even oakley oakley's not a rider we know that but i've come to the conclusion he's going to be an announcer he sat and watched the race with me you know kind of leading into the motocross he sat and watched the race with me and literally i thought ralph shaheen was talking (laughs) i i kid you not he's like the stuff that he was saying, I'm like, where did you learn that? Like, they weren't saying it. You know, Bubba wasn't saying it, and Weege wasn't saying anything like that. And I'm like, I think you found your calling because he was he was saying, you know, like there's number 32, Cooper Wedd coming in hot, and I'm like, dude. So I I think riding might not be his thing, but he can, at eight years old, he can analyze like how they're riding, and it's it was mind blowing to me. So. My yeah. little my little brother was like that. I used to take him to uh, Hooters Cup races. Actually, shout out to Mario Goslin. We used to go to Hooters Cup races, and I'd take him to Lakeland International Speedway. And he would, like, look at me, and he'd say, number 25 has gained 13 spots in the last 10 laps. And I'm like, how the hell do you know that? And he's like, well, I've been watching him. I mean, you, you haven't watched him? Look at the way he's going into the corner. He's I'm like, oh, okay, cool, man. Like, he yeah. was a little kid at that time, and, and sometimes you just never know what – kind of attracts a kid to something yeah it's i i've noticed like oakley will be he's always been by my side when it comes like with the racing and stuff like that you, you don't realize how much they pick up on it yeah. until they're just sitting there and they start talking and it was it was really cool so i think um i actually told him he could be on the podcast one of these times when he's talking like that and he was <laughs> he was ecstatic but he has so. to talk like that he has to give us the announcer voice and everything we'll, like, see, we'll see what we can do yeah. with him we'll have him on for like half an hour or something but um yeah breaking into motocross uh like i don't want to get too far into because we're already hour and a half in but um there was there was quite a bit that happened yeah. this week yeah it was it was a, it was actually my point of, okay there was a lot that happened I really like the traditional tracks. High Point this weekend at Redbud. Next week we're going to Southwick. Redbud this weekend. I actually looked at Michelle at one point and said, man, there was an entire section where there were no jumps. Yeah. And the racing is outstanding. Yeah. Now, yes, Redbud has some big jumps. We have the famous LaRocca's re- leap that yeah. I, I'm surprised it didn't claim more than it did. There was a, quite a few guys yeah. that they squeaked ca- out of Deacon that. Deacon case at one time. But – there were the uphills, the downhills, the braking bumps, the acceleration bumps, the ruts. There were sections where there was no obstacle, but the racing's fine. Yeah. And, man, it's just one of those tracks, like, it's just a good track. Yeah. I feel like it's gotten sandier over the years. It's a little sandier. but The track was pretty dry, too, so yeah. I think that probably played a part in it. Um, but that gum, man, like, there was, like you said, there was some – good stuff this weekend i know jet wins 
I don't know if Jet's going to lose. Unless he pulls his brother and crashes, I don't know if he's going to lose. The kid's on fire. It's there's. I've said that from for how long now? Now, but there's some good racing happening. I did like. I I played fantasy this week. I play fantasy every week, but I screwed up big time because I expected more out of Sexton and I expected more out of Anderson. I don't know why I expected anything out of Anderson because he has been off for a while. Yeah. But um, I went from like rank two thousand to down to like eight thousand. Um, but yeah, Jets Jets on fire. He's gonna stay on fire. Um, I'm anxious to see what what with Sexton coming back and if Anderson's gonna pull anything out i'm anxious to see what's going to happen with cooper webb um i think we already know what's going to happen with cooper webb is the rumor the rumor is he got hurt this week but then there's also the no i i believe he's done because he's changed brands and i you can almost see that coming i think there's been a there's been a battle back and forth on that team for for how long now i think we knew eli was probably done um so you'll see cooper webb in his spot i mean it's all just hearsay at this point but I think that's what's going to happen. Cooper Webb's going to take Eli's spot. But he can't finish out the season? Like, give us another factory yeah, rider. Like, he's a I'm racer. Not, I'm not saying that he's not going to, but it, it it blows my mind that he just gives up the points like that. I, but yeah. I don't know if everybody's just so – like, we thought the same thing with Sexton. So, is, is does everybody know that they're just going to get second? Or – and they just don't want to race it? Yeah, I, did, like, I didn't think Sexton would come back. But I feel like Sexton, like – he actually pushed this weekend. Like, yeah, I think Jet did too. He wants to race. Yeah, like he want Dylan Frandis. Like Dylan did not give up on Sexton. Like he made him work, and yeah. Sexton could not do it. Like, and I, I believe I think this week we've seen Jet race. Yeah, um, we have not seen him push that hard yet, and you could tell there was pretty much the whole time until he got his his big yeah. big gaps. He was that kid was riding, and but that also shows that. The big big gaps yeah. are just going to continue to come. He's got more, but I, I mean, guess what? When Bubba went twenty four and zero, they still raced. Yeah, like guys, sometimes these people are just good. Like, go on, honor your commitment, go race, try to get better. Yeah, maybe they. I'm crash. sure it's aggravating, yeah, but oh, I'm, I'm sure. But but the kid, he has put the work in for. You know what he does. He's and very he's talented. Just, he's just a different writer. He is. He is David Bailey. He is Jeremy McGrath. He is Ricky Carmichael. He is James Stewart. He, he's those talents that come around every once in a while. Yeah, we're, we're gonna get one. You know, every yeah. every decade or century or whatever. I mean, we've had Cooper Webb and Eli Tomac, but they're not because the, other people could win. He is proving. Guess what, guys? Yeah, I'm. I'm he's going to go down in history with the rest of the guys. He's going to have, yeah. you know, he's going to have the top wins. He's going to have the top starts. He's going to. It's. We get, like you said, we get one through. It seems like every generation we get a new one. And and Jeff Jeff Emig is still alive. He survived that. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep going. So it's it's not news by any means. Yeah. It's you know Jet did Jet things, and that's what Jet's going to keep doing. Hunter just squeaked by. I'm glad that he did not blow his arm apart because it sure looked like he did. That was a big crash. That yeah. was a really big crash. I felt bad. I don't know who the Kawasaki rider was, but they kept the the way the camera looked. You were just honed in on the Kawasaki rider, and that guy he stood up, he lay down, he stood up, he bent yeah, over, he was, and I was like, "Oh, dude, I feel so badly for you right hurt, now." Because and that that start funneled in so yeah. tight. 
Yeah. But um, you can see how a lot of the they showed like um, like Jet and them were starting on the way outside or the way inside, be the way yeah. inside of the of the turn. But if you're looking, it was the way outside, and you have you had to make that turn first, yeah, or that was going to happen. And Hunter pulled off his first start, but the way the season's been going, he wasn't able to do that yeah. every time. So to me, he he didn't mimic it, and that's exactly what happened. And you get congratulations to Levi Kitchen. By the way, I saw a meme. He missed the red, white, and blue. He looked like was it Har- Har- Harley the on the some movie she had the red white and green or the pink yeah, white I'd and green hair I know he was trying red white and blue but as my wife said I think pink white and green is not America but yeah but congratulations he, he was trying he was trying to do his best uh Aaron Aaron Plessinger and yeah it was a good job to Deegan he finally got that win that he's been pushed for and the, the kid was ecstatic about it he was so happy can we lay it to rest it's not daddy's money. Yeah. The kid's damn good. He's talented. He's, he's good. The kid puts on a ride, and he, he shows every week that he wants to be there. Yeah. And that kid pushed the entire he like, was Moto loose. 1 and Moto 2. He was just He was driving. loose. Yeah. So, but let's go Let's go to our local guys, the HBI team. It was awesome to hear them on the broadcast. I have a still picture. I haven't posted it yet. I have a still picture of them talking about Ty Masterpool. And you see the HBI, the HBI logo. And we we seen so many, so much HBI logoing on the broadcast this week because you could see the mechanic in the yeah. background. You could see, you know, Ty Masterpool, and then them talking about how HBI is taking Ty Masterpool's bike around now. And it, it's awesome to know that you know we associate with these guys. You know, we cover these guys. We it's it also like m- brings warmth to me. Uh, you yeah. know, because just for us it, the, the whole the whole thing is it's just phenomenal i i love every part of it and there was another quick one i was watching last night the last moto someone was lined up ne- next to meshi yeah you I could see, see yep. you could see meshi was the hbi there. I, yep. don't, I can't remember who was beside him but they were honing in on this guy and i was like oh hbi yeah but uh it's awesome to see but congratulations i you know it, it's sad first week that they actually get some coverage of them being hbi masterpool has a bike problem James Stewart brought up a great point. Was the bike problem, because he was smoking in the first moto, was that just the carryover from the first moto? It's possible. I, I mean, it, it sucks to see Cirilla come into him. Um, I think he was on to something. Even with the bike problem, he was still riding it well. He, You could tell there might have been some struggles. Um, I don't know what was going on with the bike. I, smoke shouldn't have been coming from there. So I couldn't tell if, like, something was going on with the suspension or the exhaust was you know broke and for some reason the smoking i don't i don't know what happened um matt bell could give us more insight on that but i think it sucks that the ride could have been so much better and 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 congratulations to them for getting the coverage and getting named on the broadcast yeah um also congratulations to hbi for again feeding all the people that are left, I call them the leftovers. And it looks like the track. it's growing. Yeah. Week by week, yep. you know, their pits are, it just looks like it's getting bigger and bigger. And it, it makes me so happy. I, I'm, I'm so happy to see all of it. Yep. I it's, love it. It's um, really cool. Um, sorry that Ty had that problem. My wife, my wife is, well, I am too, one of the biggest Adam C. and Cirillo fans. And she's like, you know, there's only so fast you can go through that corner. 
and he knew he wasn't going to make it. And you know, the cool thing was is Adam has never walked away from anything. He admitted, I tried to go on the inside, and I messed up. Yeah. And that was my fault. And there was there was actually a couple wrecks. I I can't remember the names, but there there was a few wrecks where you know the same instances where yeah. you just get the guys were just pushing too hard yep. around corners they shouldn't have been. They were plowing other guys, and they know better. Yeah. They all know better. How about the best crash? All all that happened was Hamaker. Michelle looked at me and just started smiling. She's like, "That's you." <laughs> when he pushed the front end and just rode it through the KTM banner, yep. she's like, because he about did a 180. And I know exactly what he was trying to do. Bubba's like, you just get on the gas. I've almost done the 180, too. I didn't look that smooth. He rode that for a long time until he nose-wheelied. And, yep. But I was like, I, for us bad riders, I was like, I, I know that one. Yes, <laughs> I, I got that. Like, But uh, there was some good racing, some good results. I'm amazed that some of these guys that are coming from the back, can Hampshire please get a start? Like, that gummit, man, you were riding good. Yeah, he, he is. I, I, I don't know if there's more going on there because – He's riding good. He is. But then there's also, like, these little issues that he shouldn't be having. So, I don't I don't know what's going on there. I, You know, I, I think previous episodes I, I had high – High yeah. expectations out of him, and we're not we're not getting the results. Does he still? Does do you think he can get a moto win? He, he, yes, because he's got every bit of talent to do he's so. He's got to get a start. I, you just got to get whatever's going on figured yeah. out, and it, once it all clicks, I think you're going to see him up there. Like, there's no reason he shouldn't be riding with Deegan. Yeah, at all. So um, we'll see what happens. I hope I hope the best for Hunter Lawrence. Uh, hopefully, we see him back next week. So that's a tough ass to. Leave Redbud injured and then go to Southwick, which is probably one of the most brutal yeah, it's, tracks that they're going to race on this year. I'm, I'm going to guess he. It's hard because he's what nine points ahead now. Yeah. So he totally ruined the the lead on the points, and he's coming into one of the most brutal tracks there are. Is he going to ride or is he not going to ride? Because you know he's going to be hurting. Yeah. And is he going to perform? Um, I guess we're going to see what happens. This this upcoming week is going to be interesting. Yeah. A, a lot of aspects. Um, I know, like, we're off this week. They're, we're actually heading to North Carolina Wednesday. Nice. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back Sunday, so we'll have a little bit to talk about. I'll try to get the race in when we get back. And Well, I, I got a quick one for you. How about one of the podcasts probably – the gold standard, Pulpamex, Lucrucio, and Butron sponsoring yeah. sponsoring them. We all have goals, yeah. and, and he just kind of wanted to help them get through the rest of the season. And it's it was the Pulpamex Wildcat Racing Team this weekend, and I'm like, oh, dude, that would be so cool. Between him doing that, HBI doing what they're doing, I'm like, at some point, at some point, between what we have, I'm like. How cool would it be to have the beyond the curve? Well, that's – I honestly – bringing that up and Caleb Groves, the, I, I told him, like, my – I have always wanted to get a rider there. Like, I don't know if it's the piece of me that didn't get there or or what it is, but I, I sat and I talked to him last night because he's like I, – I was texting him last night, but at the race he's like, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to at least hit some of the Supercross this year. I'm like, well – 
how many points do you have towards your pro license? Because they need 60 points in 18 consecutive months. If if the regulations are still yeah. the same as they were. I, I haven't looked it up. He's like, I don't even know how many points I have. I'm like, I want to help you at least get to one of them or do what we can do. Because um, would he have to do futures or would he get to do like a – he could do East Coast? So he, he could enter in as – I think you can you can ride a 450 if you wanted. I oh. believe he rides 450 now. Um, I'm not sure how it all works, but like I told him, I'm like you need to. If that's your goals, like he's a 19 year old kid, I'm like, but you gotta you gotta figure it out. So, how many points do you need? Can you go to Minios and get all the points you need? Um, how many races do you need to hit to get all your points? Yeah. And then because you gotta have those points before you can even apply for the license. Because you can't do it through Arena Cross anymore. No. I don't believe like so. I don't think if it's the same way, you can look. You can look online. You can see where all the am the pro am races are, and you get your points that way, and and then you get your sixty points and your eighteen consecutive months, and then you apply for the license. Um, like I said, it all could have changed now. I doubt it. It's yeah. probably the same as it's always been. Um, but I said, you know, get to that point, get that license. I would be more than happy to at least you know get you, get you to Daytona or get you here get you there i know he's riding for future yeah um but they need more support as well like yeah future's not going to support the whole thing you know nothing against future nothing against any of the but it's the privateer life yeah. so um yeah that's that's why I, i'd love to see the kid get in and yeah, give it a, give it a go and i i like i said they you know the beyond the curve you know yeah. on the side of bikes would be awesome sometime but um maybe someday Hey, we'll, we'll keep working on it. We'll keep working on it. I, I mean, at some point, I probably should put it on my own bike. But um, yeah, same. <laughs> but uh, no, Redbud was good. The 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 surprise winner, you know, Deegan, I, I, and I, surprise winner only because Hunter had won everything up to this point. A two three doesn't usually win an overall, but he's riding that good that congratulations you got the overall yeah. i know his next goal is is to get the overall while winning one um a, a true moto he's won a moto but he hasn't won an overall and yep. and uh but there are really not a lot of surprises the 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 on the 450 guys the 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 privateers are privateering and in the 250 side the 250 excuse me the 250 is a battle royale like if you're not getting a start and you are grinding, yeah, you are grinding. It's going to be like that the rest of the season. So, but Southwick but. this weekend, um, it's July third right now. So everybody enjoy the fourth. Go watch fireworks. Stop shooting them off in your neighborhood for God's sakes. Easy now. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch them. People have animals, PTSD, all that good stuff. Go watch some fireworks and uh, enjoy the fourth with your family. Enjoy the lake. Enjoy the pool. Uh, all that good stuff and we will have some sort of conversation with no date city next week we'll cover southwick and maybe we'll we'll have some random guests or something who knows and yeah we could i got a lot of a lot of guys lined up yeah. so um girls too so we'll see yeah see where it goes and um hopefully next we week gotta we figure out how to get them on a video so we can see them yeah do a little facetime yeah. or something uh, we'll figure it out it'll be fun but, but uh, uh we will get this out and uh this was episode 17. Next week, we can buy a lottery ticket. Yeah. Thanks, CJ, for CJ Harris for being on from Pax Tracks. Um, yeah. Know, Dade City. 
Redbud. Redbud. Oh, Let's do man. it. Yeah. So until next week, we'll see you guys. Happy birthday, America. Bye-bye. <laughs>